put it this way. I don't know what the day turkey it is. isn't completely <laughs> thawed yet. What day is it? I don't even know anymore. They all run together anymore. I think it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Hi, I'm Kim. And I'm Steve. And you're listening to an hour of your life, but you probably already knew that because you just clicked on the little icon there. It's, no matter what platform you're listening to. Yep, yeah, it is Thanksgiving week. We have been... I can't, I'm a little concerned. What, about what? Because I took... Since we... Because of COVID, we've been asked not to have... Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, COVID right now seems to be raging across the country, across the world. So we are trying to do the responsible thing. Yep. And we're limiting how big our Thanksgiving dinner is. And everyone, really, I think this year wanted to do their own... The family wanted to do their own thing anyway. But um, so I got a smaller turkey. I didn't get a whole turkey this year. I just got a turkey breast. And I took it out of I, I, I took it out of the freezer the other day and it's not thawed yet. It'll be all right. So it's we got can, another it's got all day tomorrow. We can just set it out on the counter if we need to. No. <laughs> and then, no, that's dangerous. And then put it back in the fridge when it starts to like defrost. No, but, that's that, that's how it builds bacteria. I've well, been to, uh, I've been to the website. Okay, you well, can't, whatever. You can't do that. I it's I got to be thawed safely and properly. I have a couple of things that I've heard. So I've heard first of all about coronavirus. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day who her significant other is a uh, like a more like a morgue transport person that picks up bodies and she was saying that in the last two weeks I think she said over half of his uh, I don't know what they're called the, the okay. people that she picked up had or he picked up had coronavirus either they maybe didn't die of it but they it, like it was listed in their system so please so, be safe and be careful well that's getting us off to a real cheery start but the other thing that I was going to say is you talked about our turkey and it being smaller. And I've heard that there is like, they're really hard to come by this year because no. everybody wants the small. No, turkey, you so actually went a, to, you actually, Oh, maybe that. Yeah. That's, because you went to Kroger with me and you saw all the turkeys that were up there. Yeah. But the small ones are hard to find because everybody's doing what we're doing. I shopped early and I had most of the Thanksgiving day shopping done. And today I just had to go up and get some of the fresh things that we're going to need. We got the last Mahaffey's pie. If you're from the Dayton area, you are probably familiar with Mahaffey's pies. They're kind of locally a big deal. Now, in all fairness, you're going to bake. I am. I'm going to bake the pecan pie, but I have never made a pumpkin pie before, and it doesn't seem like this is a good time to start. Um, I, well, I guess actually this probably is a good time to start when there's nobody else to impress. No, yeah. But hey, you know, I will say one thing about COVID is... More and more people are getting it. We are starting to know more and more people personally who are who who've got COVID and our yeah. our good friend Bill in Kentucky uh got it, tested positive. I think Bill said that was the first time in I don't know how many years he's had to miss a day of work. Oh. And um but he is recovered and he went back to work yesterday or the day before. My big boss got COVID. Somehow yeah. the rest of her family didn't pick it up, but she got COVID. Yeah. She's doing well. She's fine. So um, she just that is catching us up. Also, this week, what else? We finished uh, the Netflix show, The Crown, and I feel like I am talking with an affected British accent because right after we finished watching The Crown, we found a new show called The Windsors. Okay, it's so a British show upset. and it's really funny. Let's just upset. All, you know, we do have listeners in Great Britain, and they yeah. may not appreciate this show. 
what, the Windsors? Yes. I read something that actually said that the British royal family, like the actual royal family watches it and thinks it's funny. Well, there you go. So, but there's uh, Princess Beatrice and Eugenie uh, are on it and they talk like this, like very drawn out. As we've been asked to stay at home again, we were actually running out of shows to watch on Netflix. (laughs) Please please send us suggestions. (laughs) Send us suggestions. We like just about anything. I'm not generally big on sitcoms, although like... I do like stuff like the Schitt's Win- Creek and the Windsors the and Windsors stuff like is that. Absolutely hilarious. I and don't do that. There laugh was something tracks, happened but... the other day during their, their Christmas show that I laughed and I laughed. <laughs> <It> <laughs> I'm was... not gonna go into it, but I had tears coming you, down my eyes. He was legit crying. And I'm funny. still I woke up this morning laughing about it. And I I don't want to go into it. No. Watch it, you'll know <laughs> what I mean. Okay. Um but yeah, send us suggestions for TV shows. We've already watched all the big ones. We watch Sons of Anarchy and Dexter and Shit's Creek and uh, we started Tiger King. St- oh, that was last quarantine. Yeah, we started Six Feet Under. We never did finish it. Yeah, well, there you go. We just, I, I liked it. It was good. Yeah, I don't know why we never what, finished what, it. Because you got bored. And, no, I did. No, not. you don't get bored. You you like to move on. Your attention span. I do. I yeah. have the attention but, span of a gnat. I guarantee. Before this is over, we'll be finishing that episode. We up, probably. That we probably will. I think we just got back to work. Like we got back busy and not doing quarantine anymore. But you are back at home. Steve's working from home again and being safe. And so. Yeah. So, here we are with this episode. So, you ready to move into this episode? I am. Okay. And I, you know, I we discussed um, the episode that I think we're going to do next week is kind of a little bit more like a serious episode. I feel, Steve said that, you know, you said that we've been doing a lot of serious episodes. And we haven't had a lighthearted and fun one for a minute. But it's Thanksgiving week and it's, you know, we need to kind of dial it back a little bit. Yeah. So, let's start this one off. So many people have dreams, they will never follow through on them. Lawn Chair Larry Walters. Yes, this episode is about Lawn Chair Larry. So, like Kim said, we want to do a little bit more lighthearted episode after last week's episode on the Edmund Fitzgerald and some of the others we've been doing. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, this show meets that intent. But with many of the episodes and the things that we 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 dig into and we uncover, we learn things that we didn't know as we really do some research and get into what we're doing. And that's what happened on this story. So as we tell the story of Lawn Chair Larry, try to keep in the spirit that we believe Larry intended as he started the adventure, even though there's a sad ending to this story, years after the original story ends. Now, when Steve mentioned Lawn Chair Larry to me the first time as a potential uh, subject, I'd never, I didn't, I'd heard the story, but I didn't know Lawn Chair Larry. I didn't know that term. So you may have heard of him. You may be familiar well, with him. It was him. just a blip on the news. Yeah, I didn't, it, but it's so fascinating. But there's a lot more to this story. Oh, yeah. He was a pioneer. So on July 2nd, 1982, two pilots, one from Delta and one from TWA, made a pretty unusual radio call to the tower at LAX. While landing, they reported a UFO to the tower. Now it appears the people in the tower were more than a little shocked when these pilots reported what looked to them like a man seated in an aluminum lawn chair with a pistol in his hand cruising along at about 16,000 feet. Turns out their reports were 100% accurate. 
The UFO was 33-year-old Larry Walters fulfilling his childhood dream. Larry's fiance told a UPI reporter, quote, when he went up into the clouds and heard engines of planes and he couldn't see them and they couldn't see him, he went, oh my goodness, which seems to me like the understatement of the century, but okay. So um, again, this week's episode is about Larry Walters, better known as Longchair Larry. Well, Larry was a resident of North Hollywood, California. Larry was 33 years old and... I guess the best way to describe Larry is just your normal, average guy. And, I mean, that's everything I've read, everything I've seen, the interviews. That's He's just your normal, average guy. As we get deeper into this, I picture Larry as Cousin Eddie from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and all of those. Like, Ah, no, no, Larry's not like that. He's, nope. not, he's not dumb like Cousin Eddie, but I just picture physically, like, that's what I picture, is Randy Quaid, Cousin Eddie, that's what I imagine in my head. Uh, Larry was a truck driver for a television commercial production company, and he was engaged to his fiancé, Carol Van Dusen, who lived in San Pedro, California. Larry had a favorite lawn chair that he thought was exceptionally comfortable. He bought this particular <laughs> lawn chair from Sears. Larry liked to spend they rest his sp- in peace. Larry liked to spend his spare time in his lawn chair, relaxing and watching airplanes fly over his house on nice, warm summer evenings. Mm. He is the guy you barely know down the block, washing his car on dull Sunday afternoons. Wrote a columnist John Keesler in the July eighth, nineteen eighty two Miami News of lawn chair Larry. The guy you sit next to on the bus, all the frustrated, <laughs> and all the regimented, all the conformist. Larry said that since he was 13 years old in the early 1960s, he had dreamed of ascending into the clear blue yonder in a balloon. It was just something that hit him when he was 13, and he's had a fascination on that for all these years, Van Dosen claimed. In 1967, Larry joined the Air Force. Of course he did. <laughs> with the hopes of becoming a pilot. But unfortunately, the Air Force doctors said nope and kind of shot down Larry's childhood dream by telling him that his eyes, his eyesight was too poor to become a pilot. Mm -hmm. Larry uh, went ahead, enlisted in the United States Air Force, and did a tour in Vietnam. Now, he was determined that his bad eyes were not going to stop him from shaking the surly bonds of the earth. So in March 1982, he started prepping for his venture by buying the equipment and supplies that he would need to accomplish his goal. Those supplies included 42 weather balloons, helium tanks, a parachute, a BB gun for shooting out the balloons to descend, water jugs, an altimeter, and a CB radio. Now, the CB radio, I don't... Are there battery-powered CB radios? He obviously would have had to have a battery to power it. Right. I I didn't know that was a thing, but... So he estimated that he spent between three and four thousand dollars at an Army Navy surplus store, and he spent a lot of time planning and preparing his chair for his flight. Um, he kept journals and notes to prepare him. And it turns out, though, apparently he didn't do enough research of how much helium would actually be needed to lift him just over the housetops. Now that was his plan. That was his plan was to go just over the ho- housetops, but um, he claimed he only planned to float over them at about a height of about thirty feet. Float over the houses for a few hours, float out over the Mojave Desert where he planned to shoot out some balloons and gently float back to Earth. Sounds like a great idea if you're going to be It was a good plan. It seems like it would work. Well, Larry named his craft 
inspiration and maybe bought some <laughs> some uh, some term life insurance to go on. That was some of the reports. A good good idea. Maybe maybe so. On Thursday, July first, Larry drove to Carol's home and inflated the forty-two balloons with helium. Now I'm trying to think of if you came home with forty-two weather balloons and a half-cocked idea. Like, how would I? What would I say if if you did this? I'm really I'm I just would love to know what this was like. Like, if she Carol loved him and she was well, supporting I'm sure his childhood she did. dream. I would she. I don't know though. Was she nervous? Was she like Larry? This is really stupid. I love yeah, we'll, you, but this we'll, is maybe not the best we'll, idea. We'll, we'll get to that. Um. Inspiration was fixed with nylon cables in six tiers, and by the time everything was inflated and it went up, Inspiration, the balloons of the lawn chair, the bottom of the lawn chair, was 180 feet high. (laughs) On the morning of July 2nd, Larry strapped on a parachute set in his comfortable lawn chair and attached it with a guy wire to his Jeep. He secured a CB radio, altimeter, camera, a sandwich, and some beer. Now, some reports (laughs) say it was a two-liter Coke, but mm, more, more stories beer. I read said it was some beer. Five bucks says it was Budweiser or PBR. Yeah. To Carol and his ground crew and ordered his friends to release the guy wires attached to the Jeep. The launch and liftoff of Inspiration didn't go quite as Larry had planned. No kidding. The wire broke prematurely and propelled by 42 balloons filled with 33 cubic feet of helium each. Larry did not slowly float over the rooftops. (laughs) He blasted off the ground like a rocket ship, and he didn't slow down until, according to his altimeter, he was over three miles off the ground. So not 30 feet. No. No. Larry Larry could have done some testing on this, maybe, and kept tied on to see, but he didn't. He he didn't. It's not the way we do things He didn't think that part out right there. (laughs) The balloons pulled Larry into the air at speeds of up to 1,000 feet, that's 304 meters for our European friends per minute. That's fast. That's fast. The ascent was so fast that it ripped the glasses off his face, but he was able to use a CB radio and contact Carol. So what we have right here is a recording. <laughs> of, there's a recording of, of Lon Cherry Larry talking to Carol on a CB I'm radio. I'm so glad that this happened after, you know, like recordings and stuff were invented and it wasn't like in the 1700s or something. I'm so glad this happened in the All modern right, so era. So here, you, here you'll find out how Carol probably felt about this. So here is Lon Chair Larry talking to his, on a CB radio to Carol. I'm so glad that was recorded. I, <laughs> does that I, answer your question on how she felt about this? I, I feel like Carol is my spirit animal. <laughs> I feel like we are kindred spirits because yeah, as I drift down to the Ohio River. 100% that is exactly what I would do. Steve, get down now. Everybody wants you down now. 
Oh, God. I hope she's a good spirit about yeah. all of this. And I thought I was going to drift to Kentucky. <laughs> no, with the way the winds go, I thought I was going to drift to Columbus. to the ocean. But I ended, totally up headed, ended up headed towards Lake Erie. It's totally fine. He's headed toward marine land or the ocean, not, and she, not towards and the and desert. She realized that is not the way to Barstow, <laughs> California, in the Mojave Desert. Whoops. He's headed to the Pacific Ocean. Maybe we should have studied the wind currents a little, a little bit more. I don't know. Probably down the valley. There's so, a lot. <laughs> uh, turns out Larry didn't listen to Carol's uh, <laughs> requests to come down. I don't know that it was requests more as like it was that was a demand. That was not a request. Come down now. Um, at the altitude, he was afraid to shoot out any of the balloons because he was afraid he might unbalance the load and dump himself out of the chair. Apparently, he forgot that he had a, a parachute strapped to him, or maybe it wasn't enough time to like pull the rip. I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to use the parachute. I don't. Maybe. Well, at this point, I'm not feeling super confident that it was packed very well either. So, um, so he continued his lifelong dream, and he sailed cold and anxious with his beard. His maybe sandwich. that's it. Maybe he didn't want to do it. Maybe he like, wanted to I'm fulfill. I'm not giving his, up. He's not quitting. He wants to fulfill his life, his lifelong dream. That's yeah. Twenty okay. years. He's I. You know what? I understand. I get it. Good on you, Larry. He's got his beer and his sandwich, and he's going for almost an hour. And then he radioed his friends on the ground to let them know that he was okay. Even though the air temperature was a balmy five degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold. I What was he wearing? Do we know? Yeah, there's pictures. I, was he, please tell me he was in a muscle shirt and flip-flops. No, 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 no. Oh, that's disappointing. Okay. He started to realize that his hands and feet were getting numb from the cold. And he also noticed that he was not drifting east toward the Mojave, like we mentioned, as he's planned, but west toward the Pacific Ocean. So he called in a mayday on his radio to the Crest React, which is the Radio Emergency Associated Communication Team in Corona, California. Now, back in the day when CBs were popular and you would use them to travel and avoid all the police and stuff like that, React was a group of volunteers that would monitor CB Channel 9. So if there was an emergency, you could go to Channel 9 as an emergency and supposedly there were people monitoring. So that's what React is. Well, lucky for Larry, somebody was monitoring. Mr. Doug Dixon. As they should have been. Doug Dixon was a member of an Orange County Citizens Band radio club. He said, this guy broke into our channel with a mayday, and he said he had shot up like an elevator to 16,000 feet and was getting numb. He sounded worried, but he wasn't panicked. Okay, so we don't have a React recording, so I'm going to... Play the. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say the transcribed recording of Larry, and Kim is going to do the transcribed recording of React. All right. All right. So React starting, and they say, "What information do you wish me to tell them at air traffic control at this time as to your location and your difficulty?" Uh, the difficulty is uh, this was an unauthorized balloon launch, and um, I know I'm in federal airspace, and uh, I'm sure my ground crew has alerted the proper authority. But uh, just call them and tell them I'm okay. What color is the balloon? The balloons are beige in color. I'm in a bright blue sky, which would be very visible. Over. Balloon size? Size. Approximately uh, seven feet in diameter each. And I probably have about 35 left. Over. You're saying you have a cluster of 35 balloons? These are 35 weather balloons. Not one single balloon, sir. It is 35 weather balloons. Roger, stand by this frequency. I 
can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever's hearing this is probably going, wait, what? Excuse me? Well, the same say, thing the pilots saw when they saw. Say that again? I mean, here you are on Delta or TWA landing at <laughs> one of the most big major right. airports in the Can country, probably the world, and you see a guy floating by with <laughs> His beard balloons and, sandwich. and a BB gun <laughs> and a lawn chair. So it isn't clear why Larry reported that he had 35 balloons instead of 42. So maybe the cold was affecting his I'm, thought process. I'm really guessing that was it, that it was cold. He was going, I mean, been up there for an hour. And so you, you know how you get when you get cold. Yeah, them. I mean, it could be that. I wonder if it could be that some of the balloons popped on their own. Probably not, because no. if they're weather balloons, which I wouldn't even know where to buy a weather balloon. Nah, he wouldn't have been able to see what was popping up there the way it was configured. Oh, okay. Yeah. So as he entered the primary approach corridor of LAX and with the realization of eventually ditching in the ice cold and turbulent Pacific Ocean becoming clear, Larry got up his nerve and he shot one balloon with his BB gun and then he shot another balloon, but he wasn't descending. And so his concern started to turn to panic. So he shot out seven more balloons before he accidentally dropped his BB gun somewhere over Orange County. <laughs> Luckily, though, before he dropped the gun, he'd shot out enough balloons to start a fast descent augmented by his 30 water-filled gallon jugs that he'd strapped to his lawn chair. He was prepared. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, was he, though? Larry says, I cannot say I was afraid or anything. He later recalled of his rapid descent into a Long Beach neighborhood. The part that was scary was the last 300 feet with the rooftop, rooftops and telephone poles coming up so fast. I was praying that I would not hit one of those power lines and be fried or sizzled. Larry's ground crew called 911, and seeing that Larry was quickly approaching power lines, the police had the power company kill the electricity in the area, leaving blocks of oh. homes in business with no power. I'd be so mad. Then instead of a disastrous and dangerous landing... Inspiration got tangled in the power. Remember, these it stretched up 180 feet. Yeah. It stretched up into the powerless high-voltage lines, and Larry's 21-mile flight journey ended. Larry dangled only five feet off the ground. <laughs> he was swarmed by curious neighbors and kids who came out to see what was going on, <laughs> and they helped Larry drop that last five feet back down to earth. By the grace of God, I feel fulfilled my dream, he told the gathered crowd, but I wouldn't do it again for anything. <laughs> After Larry was helped to the ground, he was arrested by the LAPD oh, and was placed in a squad car in handcuffs. A reporter asked him why he had done it. He casually, re casually replied, a man just can't sit around. <laughs> Good for, good for Larry. <laughs> we need this right now. We do. Somebody, somebody we get need a lawn chair. We need a lawn chair Larry lawn right chair now. Lawn chair Larry, where are you? He also said that he had two regrets from his flight. One, that he gave away his beloved lawn chair to those neighborhood children. And he also reported that he was so amazed by the view that he neglected to take a single photograph. Aw. It was something I had to do, he told the LA Times after serving two days in lockup. <laughs> I had this dream for 20 years, and if I hadn't done it, I would have ended up in the funny farm. He added that perhaps he might become a spokesman for Sears Roebuck's remarkable lawn chairs. <laughs> the Federal Aviation Administration was not amused by Larry's flight. 
Regional Safety Inspector Neil Savoy said, we know he broke some part of the Federal Aviation Act, and as soon as we decide which part it is, <laughs> a charge will be filed. If he had a pilot's license, we'd suspend that. So I guess but they just couldn't. I, I, I guess he just thought, well, let's just turn to the part in the FAA <laughs> that says flying lawn chairs. I guess it, it wasn't exist. there. <laughs> My mother thought I should be institutionalized and probably still does, Larry told the AP, but she's proud of me. On December 18th, the FAA made good on their That would threat. be my mom. Right, yeah, sure would. <laughs> I, your mom, I can picture her. She would, she, we would have had to not tell her. She would have been uh-huh. worried sick, and then no. she would, yeah. I, but she would have been proud of you afterwards. So on December 18th, the FAA made good on their threat and filed four charges and over $4,000 in fines against Larry. Those charges, they finally found some included operating a civil aircraft for which there is not currently in effect an airworthiness certificate. It was a lawn chair. Well, it wasn't airworthy. <laughs> didn't have a certificate. And operating an aircraft within an airport traffic area without establishing and maintaining two-way communications with the control tower. Larry vowed to challenge the charges, proclaiming that if the FAA was around when the Wright brothers were testing their aircraft, they never would have been able to make their first flight at <coughs> Kitty Hawk. They eventually settled for a $1,500 fine, which Larry paid. In addition to the fine, Larry also proudly accepted the top prize from the Bonehead Club of Dallas and discovered that he had set the altitude record for gas-filled clustered balloons. Mm. But the honorary award cannot be officially recorded because he was unlicensed and unsanctioned. Mm. The Smithsonian Institution asked him to donate his lawn chair to the National Air and Space Museum but he had to tell them that he'd given it away. Could you imagine if you were that kid that he got did, lawn chair, Larry's lawn chair? He gave it to a kid. He gave yeah. it to a kid. That ki- I hope that kid still has it. I hope he does, and I hope it ends up in the, the National Air and Space Museum. Oh, no. I think that should be an awesome family heirloom passed down from one generation <laughs> to the next. He had also autographed and given away pieces of the balloons. In the months after his flight, he became something of a rock star. I his, can believe it. Yeah, his story was covered on NBC News. He was guest. He was a guest on the the Johnny Carson show, The Tonight Show, and was flown to New York to be on the late night show with David Letterman, which he later said was the most fun thing he had ever done. So I guess he was comparing being with David Letterman to his flight, and it was more fun being with David Letterman that night. Well, yeah, he's not five degrees with just a beer and a sandwich, <laughs> and a CB and an altimeter. He hired an agent, but fired him soon after, claiming it was just. All too much too soon. Oh, this is one of those stories where, you know, too much fame, too fast, and you, it just doesn't, doesn't pan out. I didn't think by fulfilling my goal in life, my dream, that uh, this would create such a stir and make people laugh, he later told the Los Angeles Times. Trying to turn his flight into a career, Larry quit his truck driving job in 1983 and went on the lecture circuit, remaining sporadically in demand at motivational seminars. He said, it's amazing there are people out there who still want to hear about it. He said in 1988 of his flight. Well, and I would imagine there are people in 2020 that still want to hear about it. It's a pretty amazing thing. I sure hope so. Lawn Chair Larry was awarded the title of at-risk survivor in the 1993 Darwin Awards. Survivor. His flight had imitators. It also spawned the extreme sport of cluster ballooning. So he invented a brand new sport, which I was unfamiliar with up until this point. 
On New Year's Day, 1984, in Stowe, Massachusetts, Kevin Walsh made a flight to 9,000 feet with 57 helium balloons, and he descended by parachute. He was cited with four violations of FAA regulations and fined $4,000. I guess by now, the <laughs> FAA knew where to turn in the yep. regs, or they added they, another they chapter. They made something up. Yep. Yeah. Now, the Guinness Book of World Records recognizes the highest altitude attained via cluster ballooning, to be uh, achieved by Mike Howard from the UK and Steve Davis from the US, who on August 4th, 2001, over Las Lunas, New Mexico, used 400 helium balloons to reach a height of over 18,300 feet. Which oh, wow. Is, I wonder how fast he shot up. Uh, well, I wonder if he kept his glasses on. I mean, they've had many, many years of experience um, t- from their predecessors to learn from. Larry's flight was estimated to have reached 16,000 feet. That's about three miles. Yep, so they, they went a little bit higher than Larry did. Um, Yoshikazu Suzuki departed from Lake Biwa in Japan on November 23rd, 1992 with 23 helium balloons. He was spotted by a Japanese Coast Guard airplane on November 25th, 1992. So he was in the air for like two days. He was located about 800 kilometers offshore over the Pacific Ocean. That's like 500 miles. That's... If I can do my math real fast in my head, that's yeah, 500 miles. Offshore, uh, like over the ocean. At an altitude between 2,500 and 4,000 meters, which is somewhere between 8,200 and 13,000 feet. Yep. And he was never high. He was never seen again, sadly. On July 7th, 2007, Kent Couch, a 47 year old American gas station owner from Bend, Oregon, reportedly flew 240 miles in his lawn chair, landing in a field about three and a half miles north northwest of North Powder, Oregon, about 30 miles from the Idaho border. Traveling an average of 22 miles an hour, Couch used plastic bags filled with 75 liters of water, so that's about 20 gallons, as a ballast against the 105 large helium balloons tied to his lawn chair. Like Walters, Couch had a BB gun on his hand to shoot uh, the balloons in order to initiate descent. And then on January 13th, 2008, the Brazilian Roman Catholic priest and human rights defender Adelir Antonio de Carli lifted off from Empire Brazil, suspended under 600 helium-filled party balloons. So we're not talking weather balloons. We're talking about, like, the stuff you get at Party City. Well, it's in Brazil. And, or uh, El Ciudad de, de Fiesta, I don't know. And reached an altitude of 5,300 meters, which is 17,400 feet, before landing safely in Argentina. I wonder if he had to go through customs. I don't know. On April 20th, 2008, lifting off from Paranagua, Brazil, in an attempt to fly 450 miles inland to Dourados, Brazil, he flew using a chair suspended under 1,000 party balloons, reaching an altitude of 20,000 feet. Okay, so he had to take oxygen with him. Yeah. At at 20,000 feet, you pretty much, I think, have to take oxygen. So he doubled his balloons, roughly, um, between January and April. Uh, not having checked the weather forecast, he got caught in a storm. He had a GPS, but he didn't know how to operate. You think it. that'd be one of those key things that you would? Mm, yeah, it's kind I'm of. I'm going to important. take this piece of equipment up here, but I don't know how <laughs> to do it. it. Yeah. I, why even put batteries in it? <sighs> so the priest was last heard on the radio eight hours after liftoff, approaching the water after flying off the coast, unable to give his position. 
Sadly, he crashed in the Atlantic Ocean, and part of his body was found by the Brazilian Navy near an offshore oil platform on July 4th, 2008, um, just a few months after he had taken flight for the last time. The act won him a 2008 Darwin Award. On May 28th, 20, you know, I got to go back. Why would he take that GPS with him if he didn't even know how to operate it? I, Maybe I he mean, thought he'd have time in the air to do it. I, I don't know. Maybe, but I don't, I don't know. know that that's that one. That, that one kind of baffles me. Yeah. So, I mean, Larry, Larry put some thought into his flight. This guy, I don't think, did. Yeah. On May 28th, 2010... The American adventurer Jonathan Trapp crossed crossed the English Channel by a cluster balloon departing near Chalock, England, and crossing over the White Cliffs of Dover at St. Margaret's Bay. He made landfall again over Dunkirk, France, and then tracked inland, landing in a farmer's cabbage patch in France. On June 8, 2013, Joe Barbara of La Center, Washington, launched a lawn chair with cluster balloons and recorded a new altitude record of 21,194 feet. Now, this is a pending world record being considered by Guinness Book of World Records. So, I mean, Larry's, he started a a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Side note, um, I I was just curious, so I Googled it really quickly, whether it is, um, is cluster ballooning legal? Uh, The rule is in America... Anyone can construct and fly a homemade engineless aircraft that's less than 155 pounds without permission from the FAA. Then why did Larry get in trouble? I well, because that was probably after. Let me see. Um, I bet they weighed. They went and weighed his balloons, and his balloons be. weighed like two pounds over the weight limit. Yeah. When they made this rule, so it's got to be. Um, they're very expensive, actually, also. A tank of helium costs anywhere between $75 and $150. And supposedly we're running out of helium. A single flight in a helium balloon. This is like, and I think this was 2009 is when this came out. Uh, a single flight in a helium balloon will often cost about $10,000. So they're very expensive. Wow. I had no idea. Um, I guess it's cheaper just to go... Rent a uh, hot air balloon. Yeah. Yeah. Rent. Actually, it's it, uh, hot air balloons are cheaper and more common. The balloon itself, hot air balloon, costs between twenty-five dollars and $50,000. Um, the cost of a single ride is just the cost of the propane used to heat the air, about 50 bucks. Well, okay. So he, here's where the story takes a little bit of a, uh, a sadder turn. Fame and fortune might have proved too much for Larry. He lived in the same low-rent North Hollywood apartment since 1971. He had almost no bills, but as the attention faded and the speaking opportunities got fewer and fewer, he found himself alone and without direction. He never married Carol, and although they remained good friends, he spent a lot of time hiking in the San Gabriel Mountains and doing volunteer work for the United States Forest Service. In 1988, he said, I love the peace and quiet. Nature and I get along real well. In 1991, nine years after his flight, Larry appeared in an advertising campaign for Timex, the watch that takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Timex spokesman Ron Sock said the company felt that Larry fit their campaign that touted ordinary individuals conquering enormous obstacles. Larry only earned $1,000 from that ad, which doesn't seem like very much. And he claimed at the time that with that check, he finally financially broke even from his experience. 
Now, despite his cheerful outward demeanor, Larry continued to battle personal demons, possibly as a result of his flight and the disruption that it had caused in his modest life. Just before Thanksgiving in 1993, his mother, Hazel, disclosed that on the previous October 6th, he had hiked to a remote spot in the Los Angeles National Forest and shot himself in the heart. Larry was 44 years old. He left no suicide note, and no one was sure of his motive. It was his favorite place, his mom said, through tears. He loved those mountains. In addition to his mother, he was survived by two sisters. And as a final kind of epitaph for Larry, as a student at a Hollywood high school, he did a science project called Hydrogen and Balloons, and he got a D on the project. So, again, I, I, I hope everyone will take the spirit, which I think Larry started out and intended this to go, that it was a fun, it was a just an adventure and stuff like that. But in the end, I think it, well, you know, we don't know for sure, but it appears that it, the, the fame and fortune got too much for Larry to handle. And uh, it looks like Larry did end his life. But we don't know for sure since there was no note as to why. So, but please, as you listen to this story, try to focus on the fun and the humor that I think Larry intended the uh, his story to be. Absolutely. Um, so a little bit about cluster ballooning, which is the quote unquote sport that Larry originated. Um, let's see. It's a form of ballooning where a harness attaches a balloonist to a cluster of helium inflated rubber balloons. Uh, they are so traditional hot air balloons have a single large balloon equipped with vents enabling altitude control. But cluster balloons are multiple, small, readily available, individually sealed. Um, and then the pilot deflates balloons uh, with whatever they have to deflate balloons with. Um, so there are other, like one of our, one of the most famous, uh, I guess, cluster balloonists is, the, is a guy by the name of John Nina Maya. Uh, he's been on the Science Channel, the History Channel, TLC. With Bill Nye, the science guy? No, no. John. His oh. name isn't even Bill. I His said name is John. with. Oh, with him. I yeah. don't know. Maybe. Um. Smaller balloon clusters uh, are sometimes used for creating flying light effects by using them as a carrier for light sticks or other small light sources. So cluster ballooning is a, it's a relatively new um, flight thing. Yeah. Uh, David Blaine on September, the most recent famous cluster ballooning thing, uh, on September 2nd, 2020, so just a few months ago, magician, illusionist, whatever you want to call him, David Blaine, reached 24,900 feet via helium-filled balloons. He it was an illusion. He carried an oxygen supply, and he released himself from his balloon, and his parachute opened automatically at 7,000 feet. So there didn't, you go, 24,900 feet. Didn't he make the Statue of Liberty disappear? I do believe was that, that was. Him? I think it was David Blaine, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Kim, I think that pretty much wraps up our our story on Lawn Chair Larry. So how does someone get hold of us? If you would like to uh, send us some Thanksgiving Day recipes, we would love to see them. Or if you have some television suggestions that you would like to share, or even some pictures from Thanksgiving, we would love to see those as well. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at An Hour of Your Life. You can find us on Twitter at A Lost Hour. And you can write to us at uh, A Lost Hour at gmail.com. All right. So, Larry. Fly high. I'm really glad you got to fulfill your lifelong dream. Absolutely. So and from 
Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Make sure you guys are staying safe. If you are getting together with your family, please be careful. Um, Don't share utensils or drinking things or anything like that. Follow all the guidelines. Try not to breathe on each other. Which there are plenty of guidelines out there to follow. Stay safe. Enjoy your your happy Thanksgiving. So from our studios in Sugar Creek Township. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Sources this week include Medium.com, Wikipedia, and Plane and Pilot Magazine. I guess this show didn't quite make an hour. I think you guys will live.